Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Well, good morning. I have been thinking a lot lately about life lessons, all of those lessons we need to learn throughout our lives to be well-rounded, well-adjusted people. And I've been thinking about this a lot because I have three little people that my wife and I, Becca, are in charge of, of, of nurturing and caring for. Brianna, or not, she says, I'm not little. Um, Brianna is our oldest eight-year-old, you know? But there's Noah, and he's coming home from preschool every day at five years old with something new that he's learning. It's fun to see his mind growing and expanding, and he comes home with many questions often. Daddy, what, what is this, and what is that? And, and, and as a parent, I've been thinking a lot, well, God, what are those lessons that, that while we have these children in our care, that we need to be teaching them? What is most important for them to be learning? And then yesterday, I had the honor, the, the, the privilege of preaching and presiding at Becca's grandmother's funeral. Becca's grandmother passed away this week, 95 years young. And so earlier this week, my father-in-law, Jerry, and his sister, Donna, we, we sat down and we planned the funeral service. And, and it was such a joy to, to be reminiscing and thinking about Anne's life, their, their mother who had passed away. And in the back of my mind, I was thinking all week long about these life lessons, and then now through the context of planning a funeral, I'm, I'm listening for those lessons as Jerry and Donna um, unpack stories about their mother. What lessons did she learn in her life? Nearly a century of living in, in this world. And I noticed a theme sort of emerged through our conversation about Anne. Anne was a child born uh, right before the Great Depression. Her childhood was um, one of, of a modest upbringing, knowing the, the struggle and the communal sacrifice of, of the Depression. And a theme throughout all of her life was one of pain and struggle. Her whole life wasn't defined by it, but it was always there at different chapters and different stages. She dropped out of school in the 10th grade to go to work to bring more income home for her family. She ended up earning her GED at 60 years old, went back and got it. But from the 10th grade until she was 70, she worked while raising two children as a single mom because their fathers were never a part of their life. She knew pain and struggle because the Catholic Church at the time sort of shunned her for being a single mom and she knew that pain. She also cared for her own mother who she lived with. She raised these little kids living in the home of her mom and dad and her mother developed Alzheimer's and she cared for her for 10 years while raising these kids that I know my father-in-law at least was hard to raise, if you know him. And if you're watching, Jerry, you know it's true. <laughs> and then there was a house fire that ended up destroying everything they owned and a few days later, 
her mother, who she cared for, died as a result. And through it all, I think Anne was learning this lesson over and again that that the worst thing that could happen to you wouldn't always be the last thing, that, that while life was filled with pain, pain doesn't last forever. Because as Jerry and Donna reflected on their mom, what they remembered the most wasn't that she was marked with suffering and hardship and bitterness and anger or resentment that can follow, but that she actually was a person of great joy. She didn't complain a whole lot. She made lemonade out of lemons, if you will. And that got me thinking about the reality of, of how we learn lessons in life. Maybe, maybe we need to learn new lessons. Certainly we go through new things, new challenges, new stages of our life, and we learn something new. But, but I think what's more true is that each of us has a handful of lessons that are unique to us that we learn again and again and again, right? You can probably think of your own life and you can think of three or four or five key lessons that you have had to learn over and again. Different circumstances, different challenges, but it's like God is trying to teach you the same thing in a new way. And then I started thinking about my life well, what are those lessons, God, that you want me to learn? What are my three to five to seven? Maybe I need 10. (laughs) I don't know. What are those lessons? And then I started going down memory lane. And I thought of myself in the fifth or sixth grade, I, I can't quite remember, but going to youth group at Messiah Lutheran Church. And at the time, our youth group leader was Josh Miller, and and his wife. Josh is now pastor at Ascension Lutheran over in Montgomery, small world. But at the time, he and his wife were leading the youth group. And I remember showing up one night and Josh was really excited about the youth group activity that night. He said, we're going to blindfold half of you. And who wants to be blindfolded? So I raised my hand. I want to be blindfolded. So I put this blindfold on and And he told the 10 of us that were blindfolded that we would be partnered with another student who didn't have a blindfold. And we needed to lock arms and walk single file down the hallway to the gym. And he told us that there in the gym, there were all sorts of obstacles set up. There were cones and little tricycles and all sorts of things that you had to navigate. And that our task at hand was to one by one Go out there blindfolded, listening for the voice of your unblindfolded partner. Do you see how this might unfold? So there I was at the front of the line, first one to go, eager Lorne, my partner who doesn't have the blindfold, and I thought, this is going to be cake. We've got this. So there I am, blindfolded. Josh reminded us, listen to the voice of your partner, and my partner says, okay, walk, walk, walk. Just walk. So I start walking and boom, uh, bump into a tricycle, something. My partner's yelling, uh, two steps to the left. Okay, two steps to the left. No, bigger steps. Okay, bigger steps. Uh, no, 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 backwards, no, no front. And, and now I'm gr- getting frustrated, right? And I can't help but think, oh, if I was in control, if I was the one unblindfolded, my partner would already be through this, right? You can imagine the feeling. 
if I was in control, this would be a different circumstance. But here I am. Okay, how do we go? And then Josh made it more interesting. He, set, he sent out the next one blindfolded. So I'm out there. And now here comes another student out there. And all of a sudden, I'm trying to listen to the voice of my partner. But the other kid, his partner is also calling out directions. So it gets a little bit more confusing. Go, go right. No, he wants to go. No, you go left. He goes right. Whew. And then, one by one, Josh started sending out all 10 of us. So there's 10 students out there blindfolded, and there's 10 students yelling out, competing to try to get their partner to hear what they're saying, and you can imagine the holy mess that it is. And we're all frustrated. Not one of us got through the obstacle course. So we take off our blindfolds, and we get to switch. And now all 10 of us who were blindfolded are convinced we've got this. Our partners were terrible. They don't know what they're doing. We've got it. So one by one, the same thing happens. Nobody gets through. So Josh pulls us all over. And with his great wisdom, he teaches us what it means to follow Jesus. He says, following Jesus necessitates that you give up some control. You're no longer in control of everything. You won't be able to see everything. You won't be able to go where you want to go. But following Jesus also requires that you listen for the voice of Jesus. It's hard to follow him if you can't hear his voice. And he said, you know, being out on that gym floor is a lot like living in our world, isn't it? We're all trying to follow Jesus, but we encounter so many different messages, so many different things or voices are competing for our attention and we end up bumping into one another and we end up bumping into things and we end up going backwards when we should be going forward because we're so confused. It takes work, he said, to really listen for the voice of Jesus. And I remember going away from youth group that night thinking, I'm all about this Jesus thing. I love the church thing, but the giving up control thing, I don't know. I don't think I like it. It didn't feel good to be blindfolded. It it felt better to be the one in control. And I think that's a lesson God has been trying to teach me ever since. I like being in control. I don't call myself a control freak but I think I have issues. And I think you, Brianna says, yeah. (laughs) And I think you probably do too. But peace is always found in giving up control. Real peace, true peace. But it requires us to listen. So in Luke chapter five, Simon and James and John are out fishing and they catch nothing. They're out there all night. And now this might, this might have just been one bad night of fishing or it might have been one bad night after another bad night after a bad week of fishing. And so I imagine they're pretty discouraged. They're there at the shore cleaning their nets. Didn't take long because there's nothing to clean. And Jesus hops in one of their boats. And he says, take me out there. And so they take him out there and he's teaching to the crowds on the shore And after he's done teaching, he invites Simon to throw his net out into the deep water. 
Well, we've, we've tried that before, you know. It didn't work, but okay, whatever you say. And they haul in a boatload of fish. Can you imagine that excitement and the terror at the same time? And I, I, I'm struck, though, by Peter's humility. Simon, who would become Peter, the rock upon which Jesus would build the church, he falls down to the knees of Christ and he says, I am not worthy, I am a sinful man. He, he is so humble in this moment. He doesn't know how to react to this blessing. But what Jesus says next, I think, is really interesting. He, he says, from now on, you are going to live a new life. I want you to come and I want you to gather people. I want you to join me on this adventure. But what Jesus is also communicating here is that, Peter, you need to give up control. You're no longer going to need to muscle it through. The whole world doesn't rest on your shoulders anymore, Peter. You need to let go of it. You need to let go of your occupation. You need to let go of the way that you've been living so you can come and you can follow on this brand new adventure. And amazingly, Peter does. The real miracle of the story, I think, isn't the boatload and abundance of fish. The real miracle is that Peter, James, and John leave it behind. Can you imagine as a fisherman the biggest haul of fish you've ever caught, enough not only to feed your family and friends, but to sell in the market and generate revenue and wealth? This is a catch that fishermen dream, dreamt of, and they leave it all behind. That's the miracle. The miracle is that they give up control and they enter into a three-year journey of following Jesus, learning the same lesson over and over and over again. The lesson of giving up control and listening. Fast forward to where those same three disciples are up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Moses and Elijah appear. And Peter gets that idea again to, to, let's build dwelling places here. Let's stay on this mountaintop. And then the cloud comes and the voice from God comes and says, this is my son. And what does the voice say? Listen to him. Remember, (laughs) give up your control and listen to him. And they do. And Jesus leads them down the mountain and he goes to Jerusalem, to the cross. And three days later, he rises from the dead. And then those same disciples are huddled into a locked room in fear. And Jesus appears again. And this time his voice says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you once again to go fish for people. It's hard to listen for the voice of God in a noisy world. I know that. But I also know it's really hard for us to give up control. I don't know what you're going through specifically, but I imagine there's something in your life that you are trying to muscle through. There's something in your life that you're trying to control that isn't yours to control. Maybe it's the behavior or the choices that your adult children are making, right? I really wish that my daughter or my son would X, Y, or Z and you're spending a lot of your energy and a lot of your time trying to somehow influence something you can't. 
or it's something at work, a coworker, or a colleague, or a problem, or it's something with a significant other in a relationship that you're trying to, to control. But maybe true peace is found not when you quit caring about it, but when you quit trying to control it so that you can then hear the voice of Jesus more clearly. Because when we're trying to control something, we don't hear clearly. What would it look like for you to let go of something so that you can actually hear the voice of your Savior in the midst of a noisy gym where you're bumping into other people so that you can take just one step in the right direction. Just one step further. This is the life of discipleship. It's really hard to choose love and choose peace if we can't hear the voice of love and peace in the world. So may you listen closely. And when you hear that voice, may you step out in faith. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.